previously on the Omen podcast. We've got a vampire queen to fight, right? We will. Yes, we need to go find out where she's going. Yeah, I don't think... I think Smedley has effectively lost his right to command. Not feeling particularly commanded right now. What? What do you mean? Just more of a sense of, I saved your life while you were wearing a toga. That's not commanding at all. Wait, is this a mutiny? If Greg is alright with it, I want to jump onto his back and pursue. Okay. Let's get that vampire queen! Okay, as you fall through the air towards Greg, you feel something weird. You watch as Koala falls towards Greg and then shimmers out of existence. What? Uh, Koala? Yes? You fall to the ground and everything is dark all of a sudden. What will happen next? Find out on this exciting episode of Omen. If we say anything funny, I've got it. When do we ever say anything funny, Sean? This is true. We tend to be quite droll and and, and, and unfunny. It's it's a song called Two Trucks, and it has very interesting subject matter. It's by Neil Chierga. Is that how you say his name? I would say famously of Hypnospace Outlaw, but it's really cool that Neil did something for Hypnospace Outlaw, but he's known for all sorts of internet music things and uh this might be his greatest work yet i didn't realize that was how you said his name tell me in excruciating detail how you feel as you listen to this song i need you it's a four minute song i need you to listen to at least the first two minutes okay give me a second let me get it up on discord okay two trucks two trucks in lemon demon i swear i'm surprised i've not heard this one and wait a minute how do you say his name Neil Chichirga, uh, I think. Oh, I thought it was Neil Ciceriga. That, that's how they say it up in New York. I, I actually don't know how to say his name. I hope he doesn't listen to this. Sorry, Neil, if I butchered your name. It's fine. It's fine. Okay, let me listen to this. Here we go. Oh, it's got quite a nice bouncy beat to begin it with. It starts with a statement of power. That's quite nice. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yep, that's a statement. Oh, it's getting there. Oh, it feels like I'm listening. Oh, wait, what? What? Yep. What? Yep. A powerful statement. A powerful song. 18 people were just shot in the place where I live, but I desperately need to know how you feel about the two truck song. But trucks can't have sex. That's a lie. Can they? They absolutely can. How? how? Like through the exhaust? Or, or... Think, just think it through, Sean. Just think about every single way. Because, like, trucks are also agile. So think about every single way a truck could get it on. You thinking about it? I am. Um, I don't know how to react to this. This is, um... Now extrapolate this. To... Extrapolate this into a whirlwind tale of lust and romance depicted through the medium of trucks because it's about trucks having sex 
two trucks having sex. Oh no, they're holding hands now. Mm-hmm. No, wait a minute, they don't have hands. The equivalent of hands for trucks is the connector thing, I guess. Again, you're thinking about the biological impl- implications to a horrifying degree. What you really want is to know one, are there two trucks? Two, are they having sex? And it's almost certainly yes and yes. And every time a truck has sex near you or in your presence, you feel My muscles. your muscles involuntarily flex. It's like your entire body is like seizing, going like, oh, 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 oh. In a good way, though, or a bad way? I can't tell. Oh. Just in the regular way that you would feel if you were to witness this. Well, I mean, the, the thing the thing that's like distracting me most from the song is the fact that it's a giant Eddie Murphy head. Is it Eddie Murphy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just a giant Eddie Murphy on the back of a truck. Is that the, the fuckable truck? Potentially. Do, do the trucks need to possess faces? Uh, is this like a sort of twisted version of um, Thomas the Tank Engine? It's the Lemon Demon uh, calling card. Uh, Eddie Murphy is involved with a surprising number of their YouTube videos for some reason. Right. So um, when you see the truck, think of it more as a spiritual slash metaphorical representation than a literal one. That was an experience. It was. Did you ever think a truck could do that? Um. No, but now my eyes have been opened to a variety of... I sure hope so. Among other things, am I right, boys? <laughs> hey, yeah, lads, what in it? Yeah. Wait, 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 Oi, 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 oi. Yes, trucks banging together consensually, swapping paint. That's what it's all about here at the Omen podcast. <laughs> Last I heard, Koala Jackson is uh has been separated from the party he has you you've put him into his own mini scenario i have why would you do this it might be because you ended up going to comic-con i think it's probably because koala is about to get into something incredibly disturbing slash foreshadowing possibly that too a little bit of that a little bit from column a a little bit from column b please tell me about how you told a kid about how death is a concept uh the kid asked after playing my new game canon droids pray which is about two angry femmex at the end of the world and god uh they asked are they going to have more adventures after this and spoilers it's a game entirely about death and inevitability in this final conversation between two battlefield frenemies um as well as like what they believe and What's going to happen next? Nature of consciousness, all that cool sci-fi stuff. Absolutely. So the kid asked, "What ha- are they going to have adventures after this? And I said, no. And the kid said, why? And I said, because they're dead. And the kid said, what does that mean? And my first attempt at it was I looked aw- away for a second. <laughs> and then I said, well, imagine if you went to sleep and when you woke up, you weren't there anymore. <laughs> It turns out that's not a great way to describe death no. to a child or really anybody. How old was this child? They weren't incredibly young, but they were also young enough to have not had to uh, personally face off against death itself. So, um, yeah, from there, I kind of, I was like, well, someone else has to play and kind of shoved them off to their parents or guardians, whoever would be taking them. I want to say I feel guilty, but really I'm just uh, flush with power. (laughs) 
I feel real dang good that this game could open up such avenues for people of all ages. I've always wanted my work to make an impact. Yeah. Speaking of your work making an impact, death and the end of the world, we rejoin Koala as he has fallen to the ground in the town of Phantom. Or at least what's left of the town of Phantom. I just got out of Phantom. You did, and then you tried to commit uh, mutiny, and then you jumped out of the Banshee, and then as you fell down, something weird happened to you, and you then appeared here back in Phantom, mm. but everything is blackened and charred. What, what, what was the weird thing that happened to me? You injected yourself with some of the morphine from the other universe, the hospital. Yeah, that sounds, uh, that sounds like something I yeah. would do. Uh, and it seems that that has pulled you into this other universe. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, now being in the center of the universe, what's the first thing I kind of see? Like, wh- wh- what's happening here? So, the ground is ashen black. If you look up into the sky, you can see absolutely nothing. No stars, no clouds, it's just darkness. Um, in the, like, far reaches of, like, the, the, the horizon, you can see these pillars of dark sort of tentacles reaching down from the sky and to the ground below. It's not in a good way right now. The town is pretty much destroyed. There are, all the buildings around you have been sort of wiped off the face of the planet. There's bits of wood still sticking out of the ground, but most of the town has been destroyed. Oh, so can I at least partially blame that on the giant bad pillars, among other environmental factors. You can probably make an educated guess. Is this with this climate change they keep telling me about? Yep, this is climate change. This is climate change. I had nothing to do with it, because humans don't affect climate change. That's the climate's business. Roll for observation. We'll see how how much you understand of what's going on. Okay, so if I roll a 20, I have this preternatural lucky sense of absolutely everything that's happening here that's just bang on. I rolled a 14, which is actually kind of high. Yeah, that's not too bad, actually. Uh, I'm going to say that you have this sort of somewhat strangely comforting feeling right now uh, as you observe this chaos and destruction all around you. Um, You feel like there is a presence watching you quite intently right now from all around you. It doesn't seem to be coming from any one particular place right now. Isn't that just how I... That's how I usually feel. What, what, what makes this different? What makes this especially chilling? I, don't, I wouldn't say it's chilling. I'd say it, 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 it feels like the presence that is watching you intently is all-encompassing. It is incredibly powerful, this feeling that you've got on you. Okay, so it's like... When you've taken a shit in the middle of the room and everyone's just looking at you. Yes, exactly like the shitty, like, look. The shitty look. Okay. <laughs> um, I've been here before. Feeling fine. Okay. Do you want to go and explore the town a little bit? Nothing about this is especially concerning, <laughs> given my previous experience. True. Um, really, the thing that disturbs me is mainly the giant pillars of black and that, uh, that big thing up in the sky. I don't know what... You call it, it's, uh, it's familiar. It feels familiar and wrong. Mm-hmm. This isn't, uh, I don't feel like I'm in regular Phantom anymore. Nope. I feel like I'm somewhere else. Yeah. 
Which doesn't make sense, because I was just trying to initiate a mutiny slash jump on my good friend Greg. But now you're here. Now I'm here. Okay. So, uh, I feel seen, but not in a good way. Uh, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Did some, does someone want something from me? Uh, I don't think they want something from you. I think whatever is observing you is just sort of observing you right now with some sort just of... kind of a blank general sense of widespread paranoia. <laughs> yeah, that's what you've got right now. Um, and you're still standing sort of like in that area where the Banshee originally was. The longer I'm standing here, the more uncomfortable I feel. Mm -hmm. It feels like it's looking at you. It doesn't feel like it's overly hostile to you right now. It feels like it's just sort of observing and seeing what you're going to do. I feel like I want to, the first thing I want to do is look towards slash head towards the high point uh, in Phantom where Annabelle's ancestral home used to be. Okay. You walk through the town, yeah. past the area where Doreen exploded, but Doreen is no longer there. There is no sort of Doreen-based explosion there anymore. Nothing to feel guilty about then. Oh, I think she's gone. Uh, and you walk past the center of town, and you see impaled on the statue of the angel what looks like the remains of the vampire queen, but it looks like she's been dead for quite some time now. Interesting. Last I heard, we didn't impale her per se. Nope, not as of yet. No. I guess you're going to continue by, right? Yeah, I want to. I want to reach a high point and see. Yeah, I want to see what we can see. Okay. You continue forward, and you eventually make your way through the forest nearby the Lafayette Manor. The forest is not destroyed. Uh, everything here is quite intact for the most part. The trees are dead, but the forest still stands. And you reach the top of the hill and you see the Lafayette Manor, and it is still fully built. The windows are all shattered, but the stone brickwork still stands. Interesting. Don't burn it down again. Should I enter the, the manor? If you wish to. You just mentioned the possibility of burning it down again. <laughs> did, did I hear that correctly? Yeah, I mean, you don't have to, but it's up to you. You can experience that thrill again if you want. You, so you said there's like wood and stonework, correct? Yes. Okay, okay. Tell me what I see in my vicinity. I, I know I've seen a whole lot of dead trees, which are dry. Mm -hmm. uh, continue to, to describe this scene to me, God. Okay. Um, so the Lafayette Manor is standing there quite stalwart. The doors have been blasted open and you can look in through them and you can see a statue of another angel inside. It's in the center of the room flanked by two sets of stairs on either side. It looks like no one's been here in a very long time and the entire sort of interior is caked in a layer of ash and dust that's probably blown in from outside. So there's a lot of dust, mm -hmm. which aerolizes. Yeah. And then there's a whole lot of dead trees. Yep. I'd like to roll to pick up tree. Okay, roll for strength. That's a seven. Uh, I'm gonna say you don't manage to pick up the tree, but you, you shake down a couple of branches. Yeah, I'm gonna try to pick up the tree again. Okay. You still don't manage it? There's no sense of urgency. I'm just gonna keep rolling until... Oh, I got a... So I rolled a... I, got, I rolled a 7, an 11, a 6, a 5, a 15, and a 21. Let's, uh, let's pick up that tree now. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say that you tried several different trees. One of them, a branch falls on top of your foot and damages you for one health. Oh no, one health. Oh yeah, it was only a branch. Uh, I've gone down by a health. 
<laughs> oh no! The other one, managed, you managed to dislodge it from the ground. It's quite a small tree, and you now are picking up this tree with your raw Australian strength. All right, um, and this is a point at which I begin to carry the tree mm-hmm. uh, to the manor mm-hmm. and kind of daintily shove it through a window. Okay, roll for strength. I said daintily, but uh, okay, I guess we're going with strength again. 15. Okay, I'm going to say that's re- you do a reasonably good job. You throw it through the window of the manor. Uh, the manor window, there's no gra- glass in it, so the wood just splinters and the tree goes straight through into the same room you threw the pants into several episodes ago. And I know that's a good flammable room. I'm going to climb up inside the manor and light this tree on fire. Okay. With my fingers. Okay, you light the tree. Can you roll for agility for me? Mm-hmm. Got an agility of five, which is not high. No, it's not. So I'm going to say, at this point, the fire spreads quite quickly. Yep, because of all the dust, all, all of the flammable materials. You say I'm trapped here. Yep, you're trapped in the library right now. I'd like to headbutt the fire. Uh, okay. Roll for strength. I'd like to headbutt the concept of fire specifically. Okay. Go for it. I got a 17. Okay, you find a book in the library um, that hasn't burnt yet, and it's all about fire, and you headbutt the concept of fire, and the book then throws pages all over the place, creating more fire. This is exactly what I wanted to happen. I'm going to say, as the fire begins to encroach on you, you feel a sudden change in temperature, and the roof is ripped off by one of the enormous black tentacles from the sky. This isn't a particularly something I want to happen, I would assume. I don't know. You then watch as this tentacle reaches down and starts siphoning the energy from the fire, and you watch as the fire sort of gets sucked up into the tentacle. You hear outside the manor a loud thumping sound outside near the front. The fire is slowly being put out by this tentacle. Oh, I don't like that. I do not like that at all. (laughs) Um, How would I feasibly combat this threat to my fire? Um, I don't know. I mean, you can try attacking it. You've got your machete. Let me see what I currently have equipped uh, that could assist with this holy mission. Uh, It it feeds off of energy, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. I have a phone, a thermic sensor, an overcharged lighter finger, passive-aggressive parasol, machete, a picture of Annabelle, three pens, change, and bell bottoms. What if I give it all the energy it can handle? Continue. Have you? Are you familiar with the concept of big dick energy? Unfortunately. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to put on these bell bottoms, and it being the 70s and a wild and crazy time for many of us in Australia, just like it was in the United States. It was like the exact same, but the, the seasons were opposite because we're on the other side of the world. That makes sense. In these bell bottoms, I'm quite free <laughs> and exposed and open. Aggressively so. And I kind of just want to, I, I wouldn't say discharge, but I want to exude this energy into the into the tentacle. You want to bang the tentacle? I don't want to bang the tentacle. I want the tentacle to know I am here and I'm present and I've got this thing at the bottom of my body that's just just full of energy and life. 
Okay, roll for creativity. Can we make that happen? Roll for creativity. Got a 14. All right. Uh, I'm going to say you windmill at the tentacle, I imagine. Yep. Uh, and the tentacle stops feeding on the fire for a short period of time. And it looks over to you. And you can see it staring at you in a deep confusion. And I'm windmilling at it and distracting it. If I was to apply its own logic, can I windmill at it so hard that instead of being sucked by the tentacle, I suck the tentacle itself? Uh, Obliterating it with my body. Roll for strength. It's all in the hips. Um, we got an 18. I'm going to say that the tentacle reaches towards you uh, and it's is perplexed by your strange movements. I am also per perplexed by my strange movements. I don't like what I'm doing. No. <laughs> what it does uh, is quite quick. It reaches out and it tries to smack you. Could you please roll for agility? Nine. You continue to windmill at this thing as it reaches out and smacks you, and you go flying out through the window and into the courtyard of the Lafayette Manor, and you land on the ground with your cock out. Okay. <laughs> and the tentacle goes back to feeding. I start going even harder, man. <laughs> I am just gyrating on this ground towards this tentacle. It is not going to extinguish my fire. In, in many senses. You continue to gyrate and thrust at- Can I roll a focus for this? Sure, go for it. That is a 10. Okay. You continue to gyrate at this creature. As you are looking up at it, another creature comes round and sort of blocks your vision. What does the creature look like? Uh, it looks- it's difficult to describe it on first, like, glance. It has multiple eyes at the front, glowing a sort of dark purple color. Multiple eyes. Multiple eyes. It has a large group of tentacles hanging underneath it, and it's floating just slightly off the ground. Uh, it has what looks kind of like a sort of halo around its head, and the halo is made from about 12 human faces. And the human faces are glowing a sort of dark blue energy, and the energy is being siphoned into the creature's brain. This is wrong on every single level. Mm-hmm. We can't use face like that. Faces are for preserving. They're for keeping friends. They aren't for dark magic rituals. The creature then looks at you very sternly. You don't think it means you any harm, but it motions down the hill. Oh, so it's looking at me while I still have my cock ass. Absolutely, yeah. It, it doesn't really understand what you're doing. Um, it's not really used to human biology. I, I, I slowly stop gyrating uh, <laughs> while I look into its many eyes. Yes. <laughs> Do you zip back up? No. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not gyrating now. He's just sort of like I'm looking forward to some steamy fan out of this. The creature reaches out and extends a tentacle, so then you can pull yourself up. Oh, so it wants to help me? Yes. Ostensibly. Yes. I'm not sure how I feel about this. Am I suspicious? Because I, I do have this deep and prevailing sense of paranoia yeah. to, deal, to, to think about right now. It, it feels like that presence that you've been experiencing through your entire time here is reflected in this creature. This creature seems to be part of this overarching presence that's been looking at you. To establish my independence slash dominance, mm -hmm. can I 
pull myself up via my dick. Roll for strength. That's a 22. You Describe how you do this, please. Come on, Sean, you can do this. No, you describe how you do it. I'm not doing it. You describe it. <laughs> Come I'm on, okay. you, 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 you govern this world. You gotta you got tell me how this works. <laughs> I didn't even know this was a possibility until you, ma you, you made this. Uh, you made this happen. Okay, um, you... <laughs> fuck, uh, you, um... You roll over in the dirt on the gravel. Remember, I'm lying on my back, yeah. and my penis is outside of my body, <laughs> as it usually is. You roll over on the floor, and you think real hard of Ethel, and you manage to sort of push yourself up with such force and speed that you are back on your feet. I turn around to look at the beast and say, Well, this sure is a fine boy howdy. The creature nods and then gestures down the hill towards the Lafayette Mining Company and the nearby quarry that's next to Gumboland. It then starts to float down the hill towards the quarry. I will follow it. Okay. Because it's about time I follow one of your storylines at some point. <laughs> Instead of using your penis to do things. It's only fair. It's true. Uh, so you follow the creature down the hill and you eventually get to what originally was the quarry but it looks like both the quarry and gumbo land have been wiped off the face of the map and what you see is an enormous crater uh, this crater is quite large you've never seen a crater this deep or wide before nearby you can see the river is sort of just pouring into the center of it and creating a small lake at the bottom. And you see a lot of what look like bodies down there. And the creature then gestures for you to go down into the quarry with it. I guess I will continue to follow the uh, the tentacle beast while being wary. I want to roll for observation. Okay. Roll for observation. Three. I think this guy is the best guy in the world. Yep, you are perfectly happy with this guy. You start to notice that these bodies all around are not necessarily fully human. You see wings on their backs and also horns on their heads in some cases. And they all seem to have been fighting around this area with also what looked like the corpses of these tentacled beasts. A great battle with between winged creatures and not wind creatures? Yeah, so these tentacle beasts and then what look like both angels and demons, their corpses litter the ground around this crater. And I assume that the tentacle beast is on the side of the tentacle beast. Yeah. In the center of the crater, as you move towards it, there is a small sort of granite, not coffin, what's the, what's the other word? Granite, um, what's the word? Like a sort of thing where you put like a thing on top of it. Table? It's a table. I don't want it. Tables doesn't sound cool. Altar? Altar, yeah. So in the center of this crater is a small, like, granite altar. In the middle of it is, like, a sort of damaged ashen black damage mark from where some sort of magical ritual happened. Around this altar, you can see about 30 human faces just floating in the air. Can I talk? try to talk to the tentacle beast? Hey, um... Lord knows I'm not one to judge about this, but um, you seem to have a whole lot of face-related things going here, and I think it's for an unholy purpose. Can we talk about that? The creature looks towards you, and you hear a voice inside your head. 
you can see it to be? Okay. I uh, begin to step tight towards the circle and uh, try to just sort of pick the closest the closest face from the air see if i recognize it okay you pick it up and you don't necessarily recognize this face it just looks like the face of a random npc random npc face uh i've i've seen many before you have as you look through it you actually like gaze through the eye and you see on the floor nearby a very familiar looking body with tarnished golden wings tarnished golden wings Tarnished golden wings, yes. I examine the body. You drop the face and walk over to the body and you see... Oh, I don't drop the face. I stow the face. Okay, you stow the face and you walk over to the body and you recognize the body of one Annabelle St. John. Is the face intact? The face is not intact. Okay. Uh, hey, tentacle buddy. What's, what's the deal? What happened here? And why is my friend's body here when I just saw her completely fine just a few minutes ago? About to, I was about to ask why would she ever do that, but then I remember all the time she tried to do that in my world, so. The creature looks sincerely at you and it reaches out a hand and you watch as it pulls in a couple of the faces from nearby and they begin to rotate around its tentacle and you see a dark portal opening up in the middle of its hand. I am extremely dubious of this series of statements. Do you want to roll for observation to see how you feel, how you feel about its sincerity? Yeah, let's go for observation. A fourteen. You sense no insincerity in its statements. It wants me back. It wants to help you. It wants you to be stronger. It feels protective of you. It's also a tentacle beast covered in faces, so I, I am yeah. <laughs> understandably suspicious of it. Completely understandable, yes. I'm not one to be racist against an eldritch whore, but this, sound, this looks bad on every possible spectrum. So and it's trying to be very calming, but like a calm that I've experienced before, mm -hmm. I don't trust this. I don't trust this, but I don't see another way of, of handling this. Uh, so I ask it a question. I say, okay, what do you mean by uh, reach out and take a, take a, take a weapon? What am, 
What is, what is this that I'm doing? Is this is this a ritual itself? out my hand and uh, I try to think of the best weapon I can. You feel this coldness sort of wrap around your hand as you reach into this void and you think about the best weapon you can think of. So what is it? Okay. Going off of real experience, the best weapon possible is probably a crowbar. A crowbar? They're light. They are... Have you ever held a crowbar in your hand, Sean? Um, not, not, not in real life, no. In plenty of video games, yes. I'm not a violent person, Sean. My, my character is, but the person playing as my character is not. No, you're very peaceful. But I picked up a crowbar recently, and I have never felt the comforting need to hurt things more than I have when I held this crowbar. It's light, it's, it's got like a... You know, like when you drink a like a, a good wine, and it's got like this froth to it, like it's like frothy, like you're like, ooh, this is this is this inspires like this. There, there is an airiness to this. This is this is good. This is bubbling in my mouth. I, it, it, a crowbar is like this tool that's like it's light. It fits in your hand, but. My god, it can hurt someone. It can hurt really, 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 really hurt someone. Mm -hmm. And it feels like the most natural thing in the world to just swing it at something. Someone, something. It doesn't matter at that point. What matters is that you've got a crowbar in your hand, and you've got a beer in your pocket, and you've got your cock out. And it's just a, a, a recipe for a really good time. A really good time, Sean. I don't know how to express this without sounding like a socio slash psychopath but when you have a crowbar in your hand it's like oh this could plunge through someone's skull this could go right into someone's gut there's this multitude of ways to, to interact with a human being that you never even consider that a crowbar makes feel like the most natural thing in the world so when this coldness grips me suddenly in my hands I've got the most natural thing in the world. Can you roll for observation for me? Yeah. I've got a crowbar, Sean. And I have rolled a five in observation. You reach in and you think about the crowbar and as you pull your hand out... I, 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 will, I will specify that I don't think about the crowbar, but the concept... Like, it seems natural to me when I pull into this void, the thought more occurs to me that, oh, I've got a crowbar now. And then that's what I have in my hand. Okay. The ability to crush and stab and also to uh, do regular housework in a very efficient way. You pull your hand out with this crowbar, this void crowbar, and you watch as the three faces around this uh, portal, they glow with this dark blue energy and as they rotate around and then collapse in onto the portal, you recognize the faces of Dr. Robert Smedley, Martin Bengtson, and Annabelle St. John. Well, it is in their actual faces. The horrible tentacle beast said so. The grabbing of this void crowbar from, I guess, the void allows you to level yourself up. 
So I'm going to give you two new levels, so you can pop some points into your character sheet. Oh, oh wow, this is a powerful crowbar. It is. New best friend material here. Don't even need my machete anymore. My machete is garbage. You have that sort of moment where like your, your hair sort of blows backwards as you grab it, that sort of sense of power. And, and in the wind, I hear, Koala! <laughs> yes. I have to, oh, I have to roll for also my health. Uh, yes, where have you spent your points? I will assign against all advice to focus. Okay. I feel like I'm magically, I'm, I'm getting closer to being strength and magically inclined. I'm like a battle mage, still with my cock out. And avoid crowbar. Avoid cock bar? Ugh. No, I'm not going to use it for that. Um, you were saying. The creature then looks at you and says, Is something going to happen later? Okay, I... Mind if I get some of these faces? One face buddy to another. It looks at you and then it nods and the faces around the outside of this altar, they then coalesce to form a sort of ball of faces and you now have this ball of faces. I'm gonna take this to the local, uh... I'm gonna take this to the local, uh... Bowling tournament. And I'm gonna win all the medals. <laughs> you feel the void crowbar in your hand sort of start to sort of shake, and you hear a voice coming from the void crowbar. I feel like you're connected to the other very calmly voiced, potentially awful creature. Were you saying my power was inside the void slash that other place? I don't like that reply. You don't like that reply, why? First of all, it connects me to a power beyond time and space and imagining that is crucially connected to ripping faces off and using them in dark rituals, which seems like it would make me a little bit more of a not nice guy. My other perception of the events that just occurred is, uh, how do I put this? Yeah, it's creepy as fuck. I don't like it. On one hand, I want to throw the crowbar away. On the other hand, I've never felt... Nothing's ever felt so right before. You feel very powerful right now compared with your normal self. And I can think quite quickly about, like, caving in skulls, about taking off plywood and also breaking up concrete in a home improvement project for Martin Bankston, because I can imagine he's probably a homeowner. He's already been that once. Oh yeah, he's definitely a homeowner. He's a massive boomer. It's, it's, a, it's a generational wealth thing, and it's incredibly unfair mm -hmm. to society, and yet, what can you do? I don't see a path forward. I just take faces and kill things. Can we make a deal, my crowbar friend? I would like to ask that you, we can stick around and hang out and, and have a good time, but don't talk while my friends are around, because I don't think they'd understand. Oh, that simplifies things immensely. I appreciate your discretion. I will think about my friends and uh, 
As I start to think about my friends, my hair starts to blow back again. I feel this overwhelming sense of uh, power and strength. Mm -hmm. Let's pry open the universe. You hold up the crowbar in the air and you then bring it to a point in front of you. The air in front of you starts to crackle and fizz and you manage to create a gash in the space-time continuum and you're able to jump through. Okay, yeah, I go through the hole. Please roll for focus. Good thing I just boosted my focus using the power of the ellipsis system. Ah, oh, shit, I got an <laughs> You... <laughs> I got an eight. You go through the hole and you find yourself tumbling through the void. Um, around you, energy crackles and fizzes and you feel very cold for a short period of time. Okay. So when you say cold, like, is it like uh, July in Australia cold? Because I'm in Australia and it's on the other side of the world, so the seasons are mixed around. Or are we talking just like chilly? How cold am I? We're talking bloody freezing. My cock is still out, Sean. <laughs> it is. It is. Roll for luck. Please don't make my mouth fall off. <laughs> We're going to find that in a second, aren't we? I, if I knew this was a risk, I never would have done this. <laughs> Got an 11. I'm going to say that you are fine in the crotch department. It's a little bit nippy. Uh, you get maybe a little bit of frostbite on the tip, but other than that, no! it's not good. You're no! right, you're right. It'll come back. It's fine. Okay. While I'm in the void, I hold the lighter to my penis. <laughs> In an attempt to protect it from crippling frostbite. Okay. <laughs> you do that. And as soon as you do, you find yourself ripped through into the other universe. And you're immediately blasted by a wall of hot air and sand. And you land on what feels like just like a sand dune. Can you roll for observation for me? Yeah, I can. Um... Observation of three. Okay. Nothing out of the ordinary, uh, but I am going to take the lighter from my penis <laughs> to I... avoid it setting on fire. My, my attentions are entirely focused on saving my penis from my DM. <laughs> you do notice something, uh, but you're not entirely sure what it is because your eyes are like, blast like there's like sand blasting in your direction, so you can't necessarily see everything. I've got other things on my mind. It looks like you're in Egypt and in front of you is an enormous mushroom cloud. A massive nuclear explosion has gone off and the Great Pyramid of Giza was right in the epicenter. Okay, that seems bad. Oh yes. And as you stand there, the sand begins to shift beneath you and you watch as the other two pyramids collapse and up from under the sand, a large creature emerges from the sand. Um, it is giant and insectoid and horrific and horrible. I thought you said for a second, giant and sexy and horrible. <laughs> Bit of both. It emerges from the sand, and you remember back to when you were looking through Dr. Bengtson's copy of the Helsing Compendium, and you recognize this creature as the Vampire Empress. And that's where we're going to leave this episode of the podcast. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
The Omen podcast is powered by Ellipsis RPG, the accessible donationware rule set. Now available on itch.io. If you like what you're hearing, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. You can tweet to us at the hashtag OmenCast, that's O-M-E-N cast, and who knows, you might get a special mention in one of the episodes from us. Thank you for listening, and remember, stay vigilant. You never know what's out there.